The Nerd and Tie Podcast is unsurprisingly part of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts from actual play to witchcraft, go to nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by finding an invite at nerdandtie.com slash discord. Did you know you could sponsor Nerd and Tie? That's right. For just a few bucks, we'd say your name here. We'd say how much we like those shoes. We would just t- tell everyone how great a person you are. Just go to nerdandtie.com, click on the sponsor button, and uh, do the thing that it says on the thing to do with the thing. This month on Nerd and Tie, writers are striking for all the right reasons. The Barbie trailer looks absolutely nuts. Metal Gear is back in a youth play. And we have some quizzes. Nerd and Todd. Celeste cut out there for like a second, but you got most of that. (laughs) Okay, me cutting, I don't feel like that was my fault. I don't know how that... It wasn't your fault. It was technical. It's okay. Continue! Okay, well, I'm uh, I'm Celeste, and I'm cutting out, apparently. Which is, you know, that sucks. Um, and I'm so excited to be here this month with my with uh, my friends, my, my family. Um, I've got uh, sitting, uh, sitting uh, Eau Claire Word is uh, our site runner, Trey Dorn. I... I don't believe I've ever used that as a title, and I don't think I'm I'm going to start. Arthur, but you know, on the site. But yeah, running right now, as we speak. Yeah, training it for uh, marathons. Still. Yeah, training it for marathons. No, oh, okay. Teaching it how to do uh, donuts in a parking lot. Yeah. You know, teaching your mom how to do donuts in a parking lot. Wow! Wow! Rude. Um, not, not bringing my mother into the conversation. She wanted to learn. It's, is the true descendant of the hobbits. My friend, your hero, Genjamin Prock. That's, I'm a little annoyed at how um, accurate that statement is. But because, because I figured out your hobbit heritage. Yeah. It's, it's, well, again, uh, I, I don't know how to break this to you. My first hint was when you bought that house and it was underground. Yeah, that would that do it, a, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a bit of a thing. Yeah. Uh, that, and you're only like three feet tall. You're, yeah, that's true. Um, was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, there were a lot of things that were kind of hobbity. All the pipe I, weed. Yep, yeah. yep. Lots of pipe yep. I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. And the multiple meals. Yeah, yeah. No. Um I I was like it was I on one hand it was like really good hospitality, but I was like, does anyone who's not a hobbit offer second breakfast? I don't know. That's a little, a little I mean, sus. in some places they call it brunch. Okay, okay, that's true. Well That like, and complaining about the sack fill wagons is again too. That 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 Yeah, that was really, yeah, that was well, a big you Heck right you, off. You talk. You do complain about them a lot. It's it's. Yeah, get, well, there's lots about them to complain about. Fair. Okay. Freaking spoons. I'm still <laughs> sore about that. <laughs> <laughs> On a um, uh, uh, 
getting us off topic before we're even on topic. Um, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying my my uh, my spouse is reading Lord of the Rings for the first time, um, and she has. Uh, she she doesn't have like any emotional connection to the films or the cartoons, so I'm getting to see like her live drawing her reaction to how she imagines characters, and it's not filtered through the like uh, earlier adaptation vision. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. She's been sending me a lot of um, the things that she's been drawing, and they've been very good. <laughs> Yeah, we've been, it's been very uh, Tolkien-y at the Celeste house lately. We've been, we've been big on that, but that's okay. Um, hey, speaking of, uh, um, actually, hey, I do have, that is a good transition. Um, we can transition from that, because as it so happens, um, the uh, good, the, the good, question mark, people at Amazon are making a really stupid decision. And sending people uh, uh, without writers on set to film the second season of Rings of Power. Because guess what? We got a writer strike, guys. Oh, no. I, I mean, no. I mean, I, like, it's, no, it's not out of the writers. I mean, the right. I mean, the writer strike. Oh no, that it had to go this far. I'm on the side of the writers. It's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, oh, are. no, that they're filming it that way. I was yeah. like, yeah, this is going to be a. This is gonna be rough. I liked the first season. I did too. I'm very fond of it. And if there's anything that, if there's anything to adapt or even try to get the tone of that has intricate writing, it's Tolkien. So that's deeply concerning. Um, for those of you who might not be aware, or maybe you only know like the like some of the the most loose points right now the um writers guild like the american the writers guild of america the wga writers guild of america yeah the wga is um is uh striking because of unfair treatment on the part of uh mainly uh tv uh, writers, but you know it it goes up to it goes to like film too and the problem that we're the problem, what it really boils down to, is that as TV, as our TV landscape changes and as our movie landscape changes, executives are exerting more and more power and finding new ways to screw over writers. So now it's you're not getting hired to write scripts for a show that's been picked up. You're getting hired to a mini room with six other people to come up with concepts for episodes of a show that might not get picked up at all. And you're only getting paid for that session that you came in to come up with episodes or you wrote a whole season of a TV show. And thanks to the way that current writing contracts are put together, you're barely getting paid shit because that, because, uh, the way that we did contracts before now didn't take streaming yeah. into well, account. Yeah, it, it, it pretty much breaks down to a couple, like a handful of things. First off is uh, the writer's room sizes have been shrinking, which has put the load of the writing on fewer people. 
that's mm-hmm. a problem. That's one of the things that the, the WGA wants to have a minimum writer's room size. But it's also these these like these mini writer room things that are happening before shows are picked up, and then the showrunners are being forced to write out the the whole scripts and things like that. Like that that is part of the problem. Um, another one of the problems is residuals, right? So uh, with residuals, um, historically. Uh, Historically, um, with the residuals issue is that like when a rerun would get aired on traditional television, writers would get paid uh, would get paid for that airing. And because of the way that the entertainment industry works is that while someone will work for a while on a show or a movie or a project like that, that is only a fraction of their income. That is only a fraction of the way they can actually live. The rest of it would be through traditional residuals of those re-airings. Like those shows would re-air. Everybody involved in those shows like would get money on those reruns you know and, and then, yeah the current contracts just aren't set right up to... streaming and this is this is actually the same problem that happened with the um the, the same reason actually we had the writer strike last time and this really hasn't been resolved adequately is that streaming hasn't originally provided no residuals now they are getting like ex- hardly any money but like fractions of cents um verse for for shows that like will then sit around forever on these streaming services and yeah, it's the writers aren't getting paid for that. And so there's that kind of, you know, insult to injury. You have, we're seeing it more and more now, not just at HBO, but now, uh, Disney plus and, uh, Netflix have been dipping their toes into the, let's just permanently remove things and have no way to watch at waters. Right. And so that you don't have to pay any residuals. Right. And we're going to see that. And right now they're doing that as like revenge to the writers to try to like turn people against the writer's strike. That's why like Willow is disappearing from Disney plus only five months after the season ended, which is just ridiculous. Um, So, and then the other, the other, the, the other thing that the writer's strike is about is, uh, um, the use of AI because the studios want to push for use of AI and oh my God. because art uh, scripts written by artificial product, creative works created by artificial intelligence are not eligible for copyright, which is something I think the studios aren't thinking about because suddenly if they, if they make something off of a script that's AI generated, it becomes public domain. Uh, I don't think the studios have thought this one through, but just uh, writers want to limit the use of artificial intelligence in stuff um it, it they want to they want to make sure that it's not used instead of uh credited human writers right um, well joe russo of the russo brothers was talking about some other stuff that i i'm not yeah. as not as directly relevant but like a bugbear that's been understandably under his skin is that as from a writing perspective the creatives on the ground are getting less control and we have like studios just coming in and just throwing their weight around and to the point that it's well you individual writer or you director you can't make that decision because we have a this tentpole franchise is everything so we need to sand off any edges this needs to be well, as marketable as possible. This is yeah, but that's not really a, a problem that they're striking over. That's just a mm. problem with the students. Actually, one of the other problems is that the problem with these pre-writers rooms that like where they doing these writing writing these like mini writer rooms before the show ever breaks, is that fewer and fewer writers are actually being like on staff while the show is shooting, which means you don't have writers on set, um, which is kind of a, a large problem that. Uh, 
because what's happening is is that it's uh, writers who have less onset experience don't know how to adjust their scripts for the limits of production. And mm-hmm. it's actually setting up new sh- people. So people who are becoming new showrunners who had been writing, have writing experience, but have, don't have any onset experience are suddenly being set up to fail because uh, they don't have the uh, the onset experience to adjust their writing to the production. Because sometimes, you know, how a scene is written can literally be the difference in like a half a day of shooting, you know, and it's and- things like that. And that's also not counting like things like writers not even able to have stable careers because of like, let's call it out the Netflix model where one season of a show will get made and then they'll immediately drop it and everyone working well, on it needs to find a new job. Well, it's, it's it that I mean. So the problem with the Netflix show, like, so streaming is going for shorter seasons, which can be good mm-hmm. for the quality of the writing, right, in many senses. Like, I think that can it's be. probably, like, it is for the best. However, it does mean that the jobs are less stable for the writers, which is why residuals become so much more important, mm-hmm. right? And that's why the residuals are key. And that's that's really, and why minimum writer room sizes and the residuals are really some of the, the, the biggest parts of, of this situation. Now, what's what's interesting is, so the residuals thing is something that impacts all parts of the creative, right? Because actors also get residuals. Directors get residuals. Um, the uh, SAG-AFTRA is currently in negotiations, when we're recording this May 29th, they are currently in negotiations with the studio over uh, the contracts and things like that for the actors' side of things. And mm-hmm. um, the actors have voted to authorize a strike if negotiations fall apart. So not only are the productions right now, some productions are halted, like um, Marvel's moving forward on some of their productions, um, some of their film productions. Uh, and where the idea is they're like, OK, if we need to rewrite stuff, we'll pick it up in reshoots, um, which is, uh, you know, which is also not good. I'm sorry. Not great. It's, it's not good. Deadpool three is moving forward in this kind of way right now, but whatever, but they have like put a full like, um, halt on things like the Thunderbolts and, you know, and wonder man. Um, so it's like, if this is some stuff is going into full halt, but some stuff is filming based on, you know, the fact that they have other people who can work, but if SAG after strikes, nothing's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like we've seen, I've seen two writer strikes in my lifetime. Um, the 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 one that was like fifteen years ago, and then um, in the second season of Star Trek: The Next Generation, that one. Uh, those are the two writer strikes that have happened while I've been around that I'm aware of. Maybe there was another one that I don't know about, but those writer strikes slow things down quite a bit. Um, but if the I don't, I can't think of a single time where has SAG-AFTRA gone on strike before. I. At least not in my lifetime. Like. Yeah, it's. This is. So they've authorized a strike before, but I don't think they've actually gone on strike. It, I I did a quick search and it looks like the last time um, was in the 80s. Okay. Okay, so oof. it's like if if without SAG-AFTRA, um, nothing happens, <laughs> and so 
it, it is it is possible that we could see um we could see both a it, it is possible i think that the studios are more likely to acquiesce to the actors because it's hard for them to um the 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 audience has far more of a parasocial parasocial relationship with the on-screen talent than they do the uh the writers let's say yeah the the shitty truth of the matter is that the audience like general audiences yes even you know conservative uncle bill assumes that the writers of all these shows are uh overpaid scarf wearing uh guys who uh li who live large and not the barely getting by actual writers as opposed to oh no if what whatever will happen if favorite actor isn't in next movie i have emotional connection with them probably yeah it's not a this is not a dunk on actors but it is a i strongly stand with writers right now this yeah. is a, just a really bad place to be so yeah um, and it it's frustrating watching the the capital driven machine like again things like the rings of power thing of sending actors to set and just being like, oh, we just won't let any of the writers be on set. So that way no one's breaking the strike. It's like, um. Well, I mean, the writers wouldn't go to set because they would be breaking the strike. Right, exactly. It's just like, oh, boy. It and, it also means that, like, writers can't do promotion right now. So, like. Yeah. Um, and I've heard of, like, there's been stories floating around of, like, really sketchy things that studios will do in order to get around strikes. And oh yes, yeah. it sounds bad. <laughs> like, please don't do those things. Yeah. So don't be a freaking scab. Like, it's just. Yeah, I don't know. Just the whole thing is. And one thing that that kind of chafes me is people complaining like, "Oh no, we're not going to get any more content." It's like. There is so much out there already. <laughs> right, I know. I'm about to say, you, sincere, go screw yourself if that's you your You for case. sure have not seen everything that exists on every streaming site right now. Oh, uh, you know, it's uh, if, if, <laughs> if we get to the point where, like, if this like, goes on, like, all summer and we don't have new shows in the fall and shit like that, uh, Krista yeah. and I are already planning just to rewatch all Star Trek. Right? Um we have it. Uh, way too many people I know have not watched the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. And that's yeah. on Tubi. I haven't that's watched on... that since it originally aired. It is still it's one of my favorite college. TV shows. <laughs> I don't doubt it's, it was fantastic. It's Legitimately one of my favorite shows of all time. It's no yeah, legend. I... I don't think I watched legend. I watched, I watched Briscoe County Jr. all the time growing up, and watching it as an adult, I like it more. So, <laughs> but Legend I, had John Delancey in it. I, I, I don't, I don't have the same. I don't have like I love John Delancey, but like I, I have a crush on Bruce Campbell. There's a difference, so like I can't. <laughs> well, do do you know the setup of of Legend? No, um, I do not. So uh, there's this, this writer who's um, who create. So uh, here I'll just read you the uh, I'll read you the plot synopsis off Wikipedia rather than trying to come up with a quick way to say it. 
Ernest Pratt, a gambling, womanizing, cowardly, hard-drinking writer, has created a dashing literary hero, Nicodemus Legend, the main character in a series of wildly imaginative dime store n- dime novels set in the untamed West. Uh, because uh, Pratt writes the novels in the first person and has posed as legend for the cover art, many readers believe that the writer, Ernest Pratt, is Nicodemus Legend. And uh, in the pilot episode, this is played by Richard Dean Anderson, his character. Excellent. Um, Excellent. We're off to a good start. And this is like 1996. So this is like arguably Stargate issue one wouldn't have happened if this hadn't gotten canceled. But uh, but um, so this is he finds out that uh, some guy's been impersonating Nicodemus Legend and a warrant is out for the arrest of his fictional character. <laughs> who again everybody thinks he is uh because of the cover art and uh yeah and it, it kind of goes off with that and so it's um it's uh so it's uh John Delancey ends up like they had a, adventures in the old west by this guy pretending to be his character that he created and uh being assisted by John Delancey who plays well, like a scientist who is loosely inspired uh, by like Nikola Tesla. But like, like, is that on Tubi? I don't or know. Anywhere? It well, aired on, I, it aired on UPN for a season. Well, Briscoe is on Tubi. So everyone knows where to go. The adventures of Briscoe County jr. That's where I'm just saying legends better. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, no, like that's your air dead on again, that it disgusts me whenever I see people complaining about not getting new content. There's so, there's so much content. There's so much out there. You there. Also, if you hate the people who make the things you love, you're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. More hearty F you to you, to anyone with that yeah. opinion. Just... If your response to the people who make the shows not making it's like it, to to needing help is but you need to make my shows like you you don't you're a dick. <laughs> and pretty listen, much. Listen, even if something's old, if you've never seen it before, it's new to you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not a hard thing. <laughs> Also, you can just go watch Star Trek again. There's so it, my much. my partner, my it, my wife is is watching DS9 for the first time with me. And it's a great rewatch for me, but watching someone experience DS9 for the first time, delightful. It's awesome actually. God, I love Deep Space 9. That's my favorite TV show of all time. It's so good. Oof. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Like I'm so, even watching Babylon Five for the first time. That's also on Tubi. I should watch that again. I haven't watched Babylon Five in so long. Krista's only watched like a few random episodes, so I should I should like suggest we sit. The problem is that like I don't want to watch ads, and Tubi's ad supported. Like, and there's no like you can't pay a fee to you know get Tubi without ads. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I it doesn't really bother me that much. Gives me a I don't know. Gives me a uh, a convenient spot to go grab a soda or something. Yeah, we've been slowly working our way through Columbo. 
Ooh, nice. We've hit the we've hit like the 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 revival. So like we're in the 1990 episodes. So it's very different watching like where it's like guest stars of going like, wait, who is who's that person? Oh, that was the guy from who played the guy from The Pretender. Uh, <laughs> where it's like actors who are young enough to be in things of like notable to my childhood. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. No. Like this... go watch Columbo. Go watch Columbo. It's on there... Peacock. It's on most of it's on Freebie, but all of it's on Peacock. But whatever you do, support writers. Don't uh, if if for some reason you're a non-union writer, uh, don't scab. If you do, you're a piece of shit. Uh, just letting you know right now. And uh, hopefully we'll get through this, and writers will get treated the way that we deserve, and we'll stop pretending that. AI isn't just stealing shit and pretending that it's new art. Yeah. And, and also, you know, if you really want more content, there are a number of phenomenal podcasts on the nerd and tie podcast network available at nerdandtie.com. So I heard. Yeah. So I there heard. are, there are literal hundreds of episodes of Stormwood and Associates. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could be listening to right now. Wow. What a, what what a f- fascinating recommendation that we have no um, uh, conflict of interest in. Anyway, <laughs> not at all. I don't know what not you're talking all. about. Um. So speaking of um wild and exciting things to recommend. Um. So the uh, big, the big uh I guess final trailer for uh Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie has been unleashed on the world. And uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm pumped. <laughs> this is, I I never in a thousand years expected me to, like expected to be excited about a, a, a Barbie movie. Yeah. Like. But it's, it's, it, it says a lot that like, the way that they're handling Barbie, which like traditionally has been viewed as a very like superficial character, or at least that's how she started in the very mm-hmm. beginning, very superficial. And and they're really like diving deep <laughs> and and creating this like they're, existential lore. They are going hard. Yeah. They're going hard. Gerwig's a, a an amazing director. Um a lot of back in 2019, a lot of people were rightfully pissed that she didn't get nominated for best director. Um, and uh, I, I still feel that way. But uh, so she's just a she's just an interesting and, and really weird director with a voice. Plus, the cast is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't get over that. We're going to get to see the new Doctor Who and Barbie before we see him in Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> Did you just did call you... the new doctor the new Doctor Who? Yeah, yeah, I did. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> He's not reprising Peter Cushing's character. Yeah, but guess what? For decades, they were referred to as Doctor Who. They were in that... all sorts of all in all sorts of things. You go to the interviews. You go to like the Blue Peter segments. I've watched enough archived British TV. 
that doesn't make it wrong, right? It they're still wrong. There's a reason why David Tennant insisted the credit get changed to the Doctor on the revival series. Yeah, I can, uh, and there's and there's also a reason that Peter Capaldi wanted it listed as Doctor Who. <laughs> I will fight. You. He was watching Doctor Who before any of us. I will still fight you. <laughs> I'm not betting on this fight, but I'll bring popcorn. I got the I don't, reach. I, don't. I got the speed. I have a bad shoulder. That's true. So I don't. Do you do you have the speed? Like I I run still. Like I'm just saying. I bike eight <laughs> miles a night. Yeah, that's that's something. <laughs> I am. Trey's also tall. I am so... surprisingly quick. I have a black belt. I mean, it's in swords, but still. <laughs> I've got a belt. Just a belt. It's leather. <laughs> also, um... <laughs> I got nothing. I'm just really excited to see it. This is this looks like a weird, 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 weird movie, and like I always like Margot Robbie. Like I want to see her in everything. So, what I mean, here's the thing with Barbie. Like, mm-hmm. it's when you tackle a project like this, it's so easy to just go the like little girl, childish like female superficial route you know make it something about like empowering women you know yeah and, i mean and and you can you can definitely tell that there was a challenge um taken on because this movie is now like so it's so much more appealing to a much more diverse audience i mean i mean i think you could argue that it they basically did that in the other direction with the first five Transformers movies and doubled down, making them more superficial with each one. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So there's just this one moment from the trailer that just gets me every single time. And I'm just going to play the audio because I, I have the power to do that. And it's just, this is, this is why I'm excited for the movie. How did I know it was going to be that bit? <laughs> that exact bit. Just, you guys ever think about dying? <laughs> I love that, though. Well, like, I mean, how do you take a really popular girl's toy and market it to everyone who's not a little girl? And that's what they've done. It's brilliant. It's it's fantastic. Well, but it's also that like it's they take a toy that is a uh, you know by it's it's a I mean it's a fashion doll. It's a it fashion was designed doll. to be a doll that you could dress up, and then yep, everything else was either built to be a friend or a love interest to her. Yep, and really focused on that thing. But I do think though that like if if you ever look at the way that like kids actually play with Barbies though, mm-hmm. uh. 
little kids will come up with the weirdest, most unhinged storylines for their Barbies. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I feel for like sure. I feel like that is the most in spirit, like, <laughs> like I mean, um, I I grew up playing with Barbies. I had Barbies. Yeah. Um, granted, I only I didn't have any Kens, so all my Barbies were lesbians who lived in a beautiful apartment together because I only cared about building them an apartment. I care Gen- way more about interior design than actually making a storyline. I would say, yeah. Gen, did you have did you have polyamorous lesbian like like apartment Barbie? Like, was this a thing? Yeah, I had, I had multiple female par- Barbies, and I would like pair them off. Like, oh, you guys are together, and you guys are together, and whatever. And the Barbie and- dream polycule. <laughs> yeah. I had, I, had a, I had a polycule of Barbies. And then I didn't make a story about them because I was like, okay, here's where you're going to sleep. And then we'll make the kitchen here. <laughs> I was too busy, like, building. Yeah. But that's that, that plays right into, like, yeah, not all kids, like, care about, like, oh, let's dress up Barbie. It's like Barbie's going places and doing things and, and, you know, not everyone could afford to get like the, the, like the house and the car and like all the, all the accessories. I mean, they purposely, Mattel purposely, um, had the doll at a, a certain price, the base doll at a certain price. And then each outfit. You had to buy separately. Right. Like That's it, how you make that money. Exactly. And and so like like with me, here I was cutting up shoe boxes and and grabbing like Tupperwares from the kitchen and like whatever I could find to build them a a house, a story, whatever. Like you're using like do you not have any cans? You're grabbing your brother's G.I. Joe's. Mm-hmm. To hang out with Barbie, like, and and this movie what era really... of GI Joes because like, <laughs> like I... I don't know. No, it's because like, it, well, no, because like, if it's like the era of GI Joes that I grew up with, they're like very different scale than Barbies. Early nineties so, brought back the twelve inch ones. Okay, okay, yeah. Early I think 90s, those so, are the well, good... so the twelve inch ones, yeah, okay. Well, because like I have like whatever the three and a half inch ones were the ones I grew up with. Oh, so no, I'm, like, the big I'm like, I'm like. Core skin's gonna bring in the halflings. Uh, <laughs> Shush. <laughs> but like oh. this movie feels more like, you know, yeah, you have the Mattel world, where it's all of like the toys that are on the shelves. But then, like when you chuck them in the real world, it feels way more like how we actually played with our Barbies. It's just like these neon like fake <laughs> dolls in your, you know, messy bedroom. I'm here for it. I'm really curious about how this movie's gonna come out, and I'm just yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legit excitement. I, I am excited. All right. We should probably move on to the next thing we though. Can... We can move on to the next thing, I guess. This is an this is one that I know 
Um, and I guess we, there's some other uh, tangentially related things that we can probably build off of. But uh, I know Gen and I were probably both surprised. We're both fans of the Metal Gear series. Metal um, Gear. And uh, there was some pretty big Metal Gear related announcements at um, this uh, last like PlayStation showcase. Um, the first one is the one that I'm... I I feel is just an objective good for anyone who wants to uh who is even moderately interested, which is a remastered set of uh Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation and Metal Gear Solids two and three for the PlayStation two. Like getting those on modern consoles again, I think that's great. It's a good opportunity for someone to you know finally sit down and play these classic games. The weird one. The one that's throwing me, and I think is throwing a lot of people, and maybe you'll be with me on this one again. They're doing a full remake, like looking like a Resident Evil remake style remake of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. And that I don't know how I feel about. Yeah, I'm I'm conflicted. Do I want more people to know about Snake Eater because it's my favorite Metal Gear game? Yeah. Same. Am I it's afraid they're going to heck it up real bad? That's the oh, one where so you yeah. That's the one where you play Big Boss and not Solid Snake, right? Yeah. Technically, it, okay. yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, it's it's set in the in the during the Cold War, you're behind enemy lines in Russia trying to stop a nuclear incident. Uh Ocelot's a baby. <laughs> not literally, but he's Best Ocelot. He's a doofus, and I love him. Damn it! Him. You see, I was really disappointed because I just had this mental image of Revolver Ocelot as a literal infant. I, I mean, he was at one point. He probably not in this was. game. I mean, we've never seen it on screen, but yeah, like Ocelot as a young man. Um, the uh, probably my favorite mechanic to a boss fight ever, where you you fight an elderly man. Oh, the and end, if yeah. you if you just uh, either uh, turn off the game and set uh, the clock on your PlayStation forward, or alternatively save the game, turn it off, and then come back to it later, uh, you don't have to do the boss fight because he died. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a literal. Mecha- it's an actual mechanic on the end. Um, <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll just die. He'll just die in real world time. <laughs> He's this legendary Dude. sniper, and it's a really hard battle if you actually try like try to go for it. Um, I, I feel so but... I feel like such a hypocrite because I always tell people about that method. I I went for it and fought him like to the end. <laughs> yeah, but I still think that's the funniest boss death that yeah. you could do. You he he'll just die of old age. It's great, <laughs> but and and like that's and I think that part of what I'm worried about actually kind of relates back to it, it tangentially at least to the writer strike thing is that Hideo Kojima doesn't work for Konami anymore, right? Yeah. So yeah. they're doing this remake of MGS three, but without Hideo Kojima. That's like, why I'm like not confident that they're not gonna heck it up real bad. Yeah, same. Like Kojima's weird sense of humor, his 
adding poop jokes where they're thematically horribly placed, but it still feels so natural in his game. I mean, there's uh, there's so like this this game like it's a serious like it's it's a really serious game. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, it's during the Cold War, you're, like, in Russia, like, trying to, to stop, like, terrible things from happening. And and he throws in, like, oh, like, do a spy mission where you dress up as as one of the guards, but the, the leader, the commander, knows that you're faking it because of what your junk feels like. Mm-hmm. That's an actual part of the game. This is a game you that... You get found bo- out because your junk's different. <laughs> this is a game that both has big um, naked snake arguing with his handler about why it feels comfortable to hide in a box, which made me laugh yeah. out loud, but also features an end to a uh, a boss fight with the boss, actually. That's her name. That... May have traumatized me. Oh, gosh, yeah. Because, like, here, in a nutshell, Snake Eater is the story of how Big Boss became Big Boss. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really it. He started out as Naked Snake. Um, and and he's not and, the legendary hero yet. He's just a guy. Yeah. He's he's just a guy, and and he he's goes kind of in dude. with his mentor, the boss, and and things happen, and feelings happen, and it's it's. There is a, I, I'm sorry, I I I basically to explain it, I have to spoil a game for the PlayStation Two, but also even honestly knowing it's coming, it's still incredibly powerful. There. One of the last boss fights of the game, you are forced into a position where the only way it will end, the only, like, you you beat this person, and the rest of the game, for the most part, has given you the option to take non-lethal uh, restraints or to put down an enemy without necessarily killing them. This fight... It won't let you progress. It won't let you leave the screen until you put a bullet in their head. Mm-hmm. And it, no, it hurts. And I didn't even realize how like low key traumatized I was by that until I played um, the chronologically next Metal Gear game, Peace Walker. I get well. I mean, Portable Ops is before that, but anyway, I played played Peace Walker, and it makes you relive that scene. Oh. And pull the trigger again. Oh. And it was like, oh god, nope, this still this still gets me. Yeah. So basically what we're saying is like this is a really well crafted game. Like just by itself. And and all they needed to do, at least in my mind, was just port it up. Like the others. And and I think that's the weirder thing is I think it's in that port set as well. Like the, the ported version, not the remake version. So yeah, I don't, so, and I'm very confused by this. I'm super confused. Like, 
Yeah, I absolutely just, play the original. Please, it's one of the go best. Go play games the original. It's fantastic. It's so good. Um, I'm just really worried because I really like this game, <laughs> and they're like, um, I don't have high hopes. I I honestly don't. I think they're gonna screw it up. I I don't have a I I I don't feel any better than you do. I just thought it'd be an interesting thing to discuss if there was any. Yeah. Like, tell me, just they keep they've been shedding talent, uh, at a, a they've been hemorrhaging it. You know mm-hmm. they they lost Team Silent. They burned all the bridges with Hideo Kojima. Um, yeah. And now they're just sitting on these these um these brands these uh these game franchises but not knowing what to do with them yeah and yeah i don't know i metal gear is such a weird game because it is a a game made by and arguably for pacifist military otaku which is such a Like, honestly, um, and I just, I don't know, it just bums me out. Like, Metal Gear Survive was such an affront to that, to the, uh, uh, to that, that legacy, to that storyline that I'm, I'm not convinced that Konami's not going to completely drop the ball on this remake of, an almost perfect game, which is what Snake Eater is. Yeah. But if I may veer us off, um, the reason that we know about this is because PlayStation, um, like basically did a showcase Mm -hmm. because we're not doing E3 anymore. So everybody's got to like, just give their own little presentation about what's coming up um and and sony was like hey middle gear solid 3 ps5 woo um spider-man 2 footage spider-man 2 which is probably gonna be as good as the first one (laughs) a shitty handheld that doesn't really work and we've reinvented yeah the the handheld uh... looks it's 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 the wii it's the wii u tablet it's the Wii U tablet. They've they've reinvented the Wii U tablet. It's so 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 for those of you who don't know, Sony announced that they're coming out with this thing, which is effectively like if you have a PS5, um, you can remotely play your PS5 around your own home. Like it's not cloud based. It's completely just like on your own Wi-Fi network. So it's effectively like how on the Wii U you could on the 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 Wii U gamepad. Uh, the the Wii U gamepad could play your Wii U on it on just that screen and not use your TV. That's 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 what Sony is gonna sell one of those for the uh, for the PS5, and like it it makes it makes no sense. <laughs> I'm why. Say, like I'm trying to think of a situation where that would be good, and it's like I well, need to continue Final Fantasy, but I also need to poop. That's not people, a good reason. People have been pointing <laughs> um, out you can do this on your smartphone right now with a ps5 <laughs> that's true and and they, they they sell playstation grips for your smartphone so you can you you can do that right now you can and if you're wondering what this new controller looks like take a regular ps5 controller split it down the middle 
and chuck a screen like a tablet in, yeah. in there. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah just it looks so dumb. Your... Yeah, just plug it's very silly. Um oh my god. I, I guess the the only other situation I'm like, oh but but Sally, remember when you were a little kid and like you'd want to play video games, but dad wants to watch the news and there's only one TV? And it's like, yeah, but voice in my head, if you could afford a PS5, you could probably afford a second TV. I'm sorry. Or a smartphone. <laughs> That's yeah. This is not a Here's the thing, you know, it's like a lot of times like I, I play my Switch on handheld mode while like the TV's on in our living room, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's not nuts. That's not crazy to me. Um, like, to want to be able to, to play stuff that that way. But on the other hand, um, you could do that with your smartphone already. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very odd. I don't know what they were going for. It's amazing, the, the though. Screen, the screen's going to be bigger. <laughs> it's an 8-inch screen. Old, big old screen. Well, if there's any game system... That was a financial success worth replicating. It's the Wii U. <laughs> right? <laughs> like said said somebody, I think. Mm. Oh. By the way, this is not me knocking the Wii U itself for quality. I actually I had a whole lot of fun playing with that thing. It just it but it was not like a it wasn't a moneymaker. You know. No. No, it wasn't. It's obviously it wasn't. Like if it if it was, the switch like the switch wouldn't have happened, but it did. But at least you got the switch. Oh boy, do I love my switch. Anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was uh that was pretty wild. Um Hey, I guess uh before we do the quiz, uh, Gen messaged one other interesting thing. Yeah, you can just, you can inter- just introduce it and go. Yeah, the it. internet's having a a real normal one about this. Uh, have Have you guys seen the Magic: The Gathering uh, Lord of the Rings uh, crossover cards? Mm-hmm. I have. I have not, but why, so why don't you tell me about them? Okay. Um, the art is absolutely gorgeous. We've got a couple of illustrations now. One of uh. One of um, the wedding of uh, Aragorn and Arwen, and another one um, where uh, a very handsome uh, Aragorn shows off his uh, sword, uh, Anduril, the Flame of the West. And the internet is having a real normal one because Aragorn is a black guy on these cards. Good. I. <laughs> I. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I don't know what it is with these racist Lord of the Rings fans. I apparently no one in the Tolkien verse is allowed to be black. Wait, even though it aren't Numenorians like described as like having a dark complexion. Uh Numenorians are uh Tom Bombadil is. Um I again, I'm having this happen to me like live my my spouse reading lord of the rings and being like yeah this person is described as having dark skin so is this person <laughs> there's a lot of dark skinned people in this book i don't know what racists are talking about right now yeah there also, are 
literally more references to dark skin than there are to pointy ears. That's all I'm saying. Also, guess what, guys? It's fantasy. Uh, uh, what? It's fantasy. Dan, are you implying that this? I'm. I'm told this story is real life. Takes it's place on an imaginary. Continent. I'm told this is the real life, and and not fantasy, and that I'm fantasy. caught in a landslide. No. I'll stop quoting lyrics. I'm just like, what? How are? Why is this? Like, seriously, the, the art is gorgeous. By the oh, way, oh gosh, it's, yeah, it's stunning. Like, I love this design for Anduril. Uh and again, Aragorn just looks really cool. <laughs> like, uh, and like, how much you want to bet that they probably weren't allowed to use the exact likenesses of, they're not used, of the movies. They're 100% <laughs> not allowed to use the actors' likenesses. Yeah. They, that requires a whole other license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, a whole lot of, that's a whole lot of additional money. Why would you do that when you can just, you know? Like, they can make reference. Like, Frodo, I mean, he's got his curly brown hair. But he's also got brown eyes. Oh, what didn't have brown eyes? Like, what the freaking do, guys? Dude, man. Repeat. That's like. Do does it matter? And and you can prefer to have a personal headcanon of a character a certain way, but that doesn't mean you have the right to shit on other people's headcanons of a certain character. Also, like, I'm just, I'm going to be real. I, speaking of someone who grew up with my mom reading me Tolkien all the time, and then as a result, like, getting into, you know, the books and movies and stuff, like, I had two drastically different faces for Aragorn, thanks to the cartoons, before I ever saw Viggo Mortensen. Right? Like, like... Like John Hurt Aragorn and um, uh, Rankin Bass Aragorn look literally nothing alike. <laughs> but you know, you got used. I I was just used to it. It's like, oh, different people telling the story a different way. It's di- exactly. You got to suspend your disbelief a little bit here, people. Yeah, it's it's really basic stuff. I don't know. I. I know it's not exactly news that the internet is full of racist dickheads, but, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Oh, just wait till they release the doctor who card set. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Can't, can't wait. I can't wait to, I also can't wait to see what the magic, the gathering versions of the other characters look like as they release more cards. I I'm hope sure. they're all minorities. <laughs> I, I right. say, it'll be great. I I hope they show Mary and Pippin kissing each other. <laughs> it's and Gimli and the Pride Flag booty shorts. I mean, there are a lot of fans out there who ship Gimli and Legolas. Just they, saying. I know. They go to the Undying Lands together. Do you blame? Oh, yeah, they're a couple. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're together. Freaking, after, like, right after they're done um, with their adventures, Gimli takes um, Legolas to the glittering caves behind Helm's Deep, 
Wow. And Legolas <laughs> takes Gimli um, deeper wow. into Fangorn wow. Forest. Wow. And they just wow. go on adventures wow. together. And then they go to the Undying Lands together. Like, wow, wow. <laughs> My wife just messaged me from another room of the house. Tom Bombadil is a black man and no one can convince me otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think she's wrong. Um, I think that uh, I leave that up to uh, the Tolkien estate. I'll leave it up to whatever image you have in reading the book. Um, it's a. Uh... I leave it up to Neil Gaiman. I trust him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we can so, do that. We can. We can I, I, Neil will probably know what to do. Yeah. I have a Tolkien encyclopedia where I about died because uh, the illustration of Feanor looks like N- Neil Gaiman, and I was like, was this done on purpose? Do you? I wonder. Did, if... did Neil Gaiman make Silmarils? Did I miss this? Is it, is it, I don't remember the guy's name. I'll send you the picture later. Yes, do it. I wonder if we have the same book. That'd be very funny. I will look in mine. Um, oh boy. But, but yeah. anyways, stop being racist. It's not real. It's not real. It's an imaginary, <laughs> it's an imaginary world. There are... <laughs> the only thing that matters about Aragorn is that he's hot. Yes, I agree. He's freaking gorgeous. He is extremely he is extremely attractive. Like ten out of ten, it's a great Aragorn design. Hell yeah. Okay. That's all that matters. (laughs) And nothing else matters. All right. Uh so we are not gonna do the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge this month. Um, but we are going to read through the names on the Hall of Awesome before we go to a quiz. But that means right. I have to actually open up the names on the Hall of Awesome. Which uh, I forgot to do before we started recording the show. So I'm quietly well, what I'm doing right now is I'm not I'm not trying to fill time as I open up the website and click over on stuff. I'm just talking because I enjoy speaking to you, our audience, right? All right. <laughs> Current members of the Hall of Awesome are as follows. Archimai Zero, Rena Nascenti, Cheesy McDamn You, Krista, Slithery D, Shameless Otaku, The Random Ramblings Man, Core Fan, Capito, Chris Graham, Lilisaurus, Paper Godzilla, Cavsy, The Minnesota Librarian, Sean Orange, Keith Shuzu, Sakura Sunset, Joel Kreisman, Patrick Delahanty, Wonderland Hearts, and Megzi Sass Council. If you would like to be in the Hall of Awesome, go listen to an old episode and find out how. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright, so. This is a, uh, we have started doing quizzes at the end of the show where one of us runs a quiz for the other two people on the show. I'm going to be running the quiz again this uh, episode. And uh, the quiz I am throwing at, uh, after the um, experience that we had last uh, last month, we're going to mix up, we're mixing up the format a little bit. This time we're going to give them answers after they've answered the question, so we're not like sitting here till the end trying to figure out whatever and uh we're only going to do one quiz and not two quizzes and so we're 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 narrowing this down this month's quiz is uh taken from funtrivia.com 
and it is Trekking Through the Universe Part 10. Because <laughs> someone's written a whole bunch of Star Trek quizzes uh, by Daddy19. That is our quiz author. Uh, oh, God. This is rated a professional. As... <laughs> the difficulty is rated as average. It is 10 questions. Uh, the average score on this quiz by people who take it is 8 out of 10. But that's the average score out of people who intentionally hunt down a Star Trek quiz. So I don't know how skewed that is. <laughs> the description of the quiz is the crew of the fun trivia USS Enterprise bring you the final set of on-screen voyagers of the original crew of the USS Enterprise. This quiz has questions on Star Trek 4, Star Trek 5, and Star Trek 6. Are you guys ready for your quiz? I suppose. You also will have three chances during the quiz where you can do a 50-50 elimination. Okay. Um, So, uh, here we go. First question. In the opening of Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, a Starfleet ship encountered a probe of unknown origin. Which starship was this? Was it the Saratoga, the Ranger, the Yorktown, or the Destiny? Oh. <laughs> I, I think it's the Saratoga... Because the Saratoga and the Yorktown sound are like actual starship names. I, I don't think there's a USS Destiny in Starfleet. I might be wrong about that. So, though. so you're answering the Saratoga? That's what you're yeah, Saratoga. Yeah. Saratoga. Dan's on board with Saratoga. I've never seen these films. Let's go. Oh my god! You should like watch these movies. This, yeah, it's well. The the second, third, and fourth movie all happen within the period of like two months of each other. So like Jimmy Dewan's weight just goes up quite a bit between them. So like you gotta think that like, you know maybe maybe it's gonna Scotty's be, stress eating. Scott, Scotty's stress eating throughout these films. You just don't see it on camera. All right. So the answer is correct. The USS Saratoga. Oh my god. <laughs> the probe. The captain contacted the captain of the Saratoga contacted Starfleet Command, advising that the Saratoga was patrolling Sector Five neutral zone. The USS Yorktown was later uh, having already lost all power as a result of the probe. The Ranger uh, okay. was the name of the nuclear submarine that Chekhov and Uhura visit. Okay. And the USS Destiny was referred to in an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. My God, there is one. Okay. Yep. I'm a little disappointed. Okay. It's okay. You got this. What's next? All right, sorry, I just accidentally set off my car alarm thinking that I was turning off my car alarm. Because <laughs> someone <sighs> else's car alarm went off. All right. So, next question. In Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, after they figured out that the probe was sending humpback whale song in their signal, Kirk and company time-traveled back to the year 1986 to find two whales to bring back to the future. What were the names of the whales that they found at the Cetacean Institute? That crap. Were they Frankie and Johnny? Were they Charles and Diana? Were they Ginger and Fred? Were they George and Gracie? I think it's George and Gracie, but I don't know how much of that is just the fact that I'm a George Burns fan. I want it to be um, Ginger and Fred because the Astaire's. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good yeah. reference too, honestly. But um, 
I feel like there would be more jokes in the community about Charles and Diana being a thing because of how uh, disastrous their namesakes ended up being. So you want to go for that one? Yeah, let's go for that one. Charles and Diana. Oh, I I thought you I I meant the one that you wanted. Charles and Diana. uh, Fred and Ginger. Yeah, let's go Fred and Ginger. You guys want Fred and Ginger? Ginger. Yeah. That's your final answer? Dancing whales. Dancing whales. Sadly, uh, Celeste should have listened to her first instinct, and it is George and Gracie. I just really like George Burns. Which is a reference to George Burns and Gracie Allen, the married comedy duo who first met in 1922. Yep. Okay. Moving on. We got to stay with your gut. In Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, when rescuing Chekhov from the hospital, Dr. McCoy cured a patient with 23rd century medicine. Why was the patient in the hospital? Was it kidney dialysis? Was it a broken leg? Was it heart failure? Or was it a brain tumor? Crap. Ah. It was the brain tumor. Brain tumor would be easy for them to do. You don't. There's nothing to like make up or prosthetic with that. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, it's because I mean, in the scene. So, and do remember, you do, you guys do get a couple of fifty-fifty hints. Yeah. Do you want to use a fifty-fifty? Let's fifty-fifty it. All right. Fifty-fifty. So the it eliminated broken leg and heart failure. The two options are kidney dialysis and brain tumor. I mean, brain tumor's still up there. I'm going. I think we should go brain tumor. Brain tumor. Oh, sorry, guys. Damn it, it was kidney dialysis. In fact, the old lady, as they go by, uh, yells, uh, "I grew a new kidney." Damn oh. it. Like okay, I, I haven't watched that movie in a while. Remember, so. it's McCoy gives this woman a pill. So what is this, the Dark Ages? As uh, is he gives her uh, medicine to swallow, which cures her completely much. Like, he gives her the medicine, then they go off, and then on the way out, after all the adventures, they pass by that same patient again when the doctors are trying to figure out how she was magically cured. That's adorable. I, I remembered that he cured something with a pill. I just didn't remember what it was. All right. Okay. All right. So now we're getting out of the ones that I automatically knew, uh, because now we're moving on to Star Trek V: The Final Frontier. Crap! I hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) In Star Trek V: The Final Frontier, which planet had been dubbed the Planet of Galactic Peace? Was it Dorvin Five, Nimbus Three, El Adrel Four, or Baratus Three? I think it's Nimbus Three. Okay. Nimbus. You are correct. Yeah. Nimbus 3. It was hoped that if the Klingons, the Federation, and the Romulans could live together on Nimbus 3, the risk of war would be reduced. The other three planets all featured in episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation at some point. Figures. All right. All right. Here's, here's, here's the gimme. In Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, what was the relationship between Spock and the film's quote-unquote villain, Cybok? Were they cousins, half-brothers, uncle-slash-nephew, or childhood friends? Half-brothers. Half- 
Brothers. This one I know. Correct. Cyborg's evil because he has a goatee. Oh, I just, that's uh, Mirror Universe Spock is evil because he has uh, a goatee. that's okay. Cyborg's, uh, I, the the main reason I remembered, aside from that I hated this movie, was uh, I just finished the first season of Discover, of not Strange Discovery, New Worlds. Of, uh, Strange New Worlds, yeah. and Cyborg becomes kind of a main player in that. Yeah, like oh. a, he's in the background of some of the plots. All right. In Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, what was the name of the mythical planet that Vulcans claimed was the birthplace of all creation? Was it Quitu? Was it Eden? Was it Vortavor? Or was it Shakari? I think it's Shakari. Shakari sounds like some like a venerated. I remember the actors saying Shakari over and over, and and even as a child, thinking it sounded stupid. That's your answer. Yes. Shakari is shockingly correct. Uh, Cyborg <laughs> believed you would find God at Shakari, which he believed would be found at the center of the galaxy. They did discover a powerful being on the planet they arrived at, but it was a malevolent creature and not the benevolent creator that Cybok expected. All right, on to a good movie. In Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, Chancellor Gorkon attended dinner aboard the Enterprise at Kirk's invitation. His daughter accompanied him. What was her name? Is it Azatbur? Is it Martya? Is it Kurla? Or is it Ursva? I think it's Ursva. And remember, you do have two more 50-50s. Let's, okay, let's try a 50-50 on this one, because I, I really like this movie. All right, so 50-50 removed Martia and Kurla, so it either, is either Azetbur or Ursva. Ursva. I would go with Ursva. Let's go with Ursva then. Ooh, sorry, it's Azitbur. Really? So much harder yep. to say. Really? Yep. So after beaming aboard the Enterprise, Kirk. Really? Yep. The Chancellor introduced his senior staff, starting with his daughter, Azitbur. We see little of her during the film. However, she was named Chancellor following her father's death. Despite her father's mm -hmm. assassination, she continued the peace process he started. Uh, Kurla was a brigadier and Chancellor Gorkhan's military advisor. Martia was, of course, the shapeshifter that Kirk and McCoy meet on Rorapente. And uh, Uhura identified the USS Enterprise as the IKS Ursva when they were heading to Rorapente on the rescue mission. Ah, That's okay. what they pretended the Enterprise was. In Okay, question eight. In Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, what was the name of the prison planet that Kirk and McCoy were sent to for the assassination of the Klingon Chancellor? I shouldn't have read the full details of that previous one. Let's see if you remember <laughs> what I just said five minutes ago. Is it Mabu Six? Is it Argathi? Is it Rurapente? Or is it Krantobal? Rurapente. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Hey. All right. Here's here's another one that Celeste should definitely get. Which former Enterprise crew member helmed the USS Excelsior and helped Kirk in a space battle against Chang in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country? Was it Hikaru Sulu, Spock, 
Pavel Chekhov or Montgomery Scott? So who was commanding the Excelsior? Oh, that was uh, that was Sulu. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my. In Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, who tried to shoot the Federation president at Camp Kittimer when the peace conference was rescheduled? Is it the Romulan ambassador Nanclus? Is it Colonel West? Is it Lieutenant Valeris? Or is it Admiral Cartwright? I think it was the Romulan ambassador. Because I remember it being a Romulan. And you do have a 50-50 left here. Okay, give me a 50-50. Ooh, it eliminated the Romulan ambassador and Admiral Carpright, leaving you only with Colonel West or and Lieutenant Valeris. Okay, I... Hmm. Colonel West... And that is correct. Colonel West, oh played God. by Rene Aubergenois. Oh, right. Pre-Odo. Yeah. Crazy. So you guys got seven out of ten. Yay, good job. Well, uh, Celeste got seven out of ten. Hey, you, you, you shouted out Rurapente. I also think it's <laughs> funny that I got a bunch of questions right about a movie that I hate. <laughs> then got a bunch of questions wrong about a movie that I actively like. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, you actually got all the Star Trek V questions correct. I know. I hate that movie, and now I hate it more. And you, got, you only got one of the questions about Star Trek IV right. I am a failure as a fan? No. I would have... Person. I would have gotten the Shaka rewon right on the Star Trek Five, but I don't. I wouldn't have. And obviously the Cybok being the half brothers, but I wouldn't have gotten Nimbus Three. I I don't know why I remembered Nimbus Three. I think you know what I think it was is uh, I kept getting distracted by because every time they said Nimbus Three, um, the last time I watched that movie, I was in a bit of a Dragon Ball phase. And um, the the English dub insists on calling uh, Son Goku's flying cloud Kinta Un flying Nimbus, and that just was on my mind for some reason. Yeah, like, I'm I, definitely not any form of neurodivergent. I don't know what you're talking. See, about. I I wouldn't have gotten. I probably wouldn't have gotten the the Chancellor's daughter's name right. Um, as it were, I wouldn't have gotten that right. So. I, I would have definitely been wrong with you on that one, but I was, I was very proud. I remember George and Gracie off the top of my head and the kidney dialysis because that's, yeah, I have watched Star Trek four so many times. I haven't watched it in a long time. I need to fix that. I've fun, watched six more recently. Fun fact. I don't remember where it came from, but I have like a gold enamel pin. I think so. So you have thinking, to go see if it's uh, four or five. So also here's the thing um, with the, the, the Romulan reveal on the assassination. That's only in the director's cut of Star Trek six. That's not in the theatrical cut. Right. It's revealed I, to be Colonel West, but like the, the whole, like the Romulan connection is only revealed in the director's cut. I think the last couple times I've watched it, it was the director's cut. Well, that's the version I've watched most. Like I've I'd seen the theatrical cut, and I own the theatrical cut and the director's cut on DVD. Like I like I went I've talked about this before about how I went on a whole process to get a copy of the director's cut on DVD. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. I think I only own the director's cut. Now that I think about it, I wait. Uh, my VHS might be the theatrical cut. That was my first ever Star Trek VHS, and I still own it. Yeah, my um, my my VHS copy is the director's cut. Like they, because they have that okay. like VHS release of all the the movies that like if you put them together it would be like an image of the Enterprise. Ah, uh, yeah, and uh, that is uh, that is one hundred percent the director's cut on that tape. Okay, then maybe I've never seen the theatrical cut. Because that's definitely the tape I have in my collection from when I was a baby Sele. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm I'm really curious like what are like I'm trying to remember the differences in the ending. Like but Yeah, it's like the the difference in the movie is only like three minutes, like in length. Hmm. Yeah, I can't like uh anyways. Anyways. That's that's probably where we should start bailing, right? Yeah, I feel hey. like that's a good spot to ba- we had a this is a fun episode though. Yeah, these quizzes are way more fun for us than <laughs> like, the <laughs> the challenge. I will be looking forward to next uh I will be looking forward to our next quiz, but I think it's time that we uh, give our sign-off for this month. So, as always, I'm Celeste. I'm Trey Dorn. I'm the Genjamin. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else that podcasts are subscribed to. Remember, you can also support the show financially. Uh, you can sponsor episodes of the show as on the website, or I've got a Patreon at patreon.com slash T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. Uh, Celeste's got a Patreon at patreon.com slash Best And... Uh, again, what is the name of your store on the internet? Uh, we are now operating under the name of Cryptid Arcade. Yes. I love the new branding. It's so good. And, and, and so good. You can find bu- us on Instagram and Etsy, um, for specializing in Cryptid Plush. Yes. And remember, buddies. this show is on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdandtie. You can find us on Tumblr at nerdandtie.tumblr.com. And technically, we have a Twitter for now. <laughs> and remember, in your hearts and your minds and your dreams, in the places that you hide at night, in those places where you think you have hidden the things that only you know and no one else can touch within you, um, remember... But that's where I've taken a computer and loaded up a copy of myhouse.wad and uh, have duct taped your hands to the keyboard. Good luck. <laughs> if you can't get the good ending. <laughs> keep, keep on spocking. Good luck figuring it all out. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Celeste, have you, have you taken a look at, at myhouse.wad? I have not. Oh, you should. It's amazing. Uh, I I'm scared now. <laughs> it it does actually effectively turn turn Doom into a, a phenomenal horror game. Yeah, a lot Amazing. House of Leaves. Yeah, oh it's my God. it's yeah it's inspired by House of Leaves. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so well done. Excellent. And there's a I brief mean, appearance by the most mysterious song on the internet in in the. Like, yes, uh, Eric was telling me about yeah. that. All right, kind of have to take a look at this. My so, house.wad. Yeah.
and although you want to load the pk3 file so it's like there's some youtube videos you might want to so play the play it play it fresh without looking it up without like watching any youtube videos on it that's just all i'm going to say and you have to do it in gz doom gotcha uh i don't know folks i guess that's the end of this podcast and uh oh yeah we're doing a podcast that's we right. are still recording we are still recording <laughs> the music's well, playing we just forget. keep on spock and in the free world and remember david the gnome don't take keep any on, wooden nickels keep on freeing in the spock world and 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 cybok knows <laughs> what you did at night so run <laughs> yeah holy crap Cybok is outside your window right now. No, go away. It's okay. Cybok is apparently dating like one of my big gay crushes, and I'm grumpy about that. Which (laughs) Cybok? Which one? Strange new world Cybok. Okay, because it's, I mean, it's an interesting story either way.